0: One of the things that's interesting to me is I grew up as a, I started off as a broker at Dean Witter many years ago and moved away. Me too. Really?
1: Well, I wasn't a broker at Dean Witter, but I was in equity research at Dean Witter. I, I worked on, the 63rd floor of um, Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. I worked
0: on the 60th floor of Tower 2. So, this is possible. Then, then I kept trying to tell Willie. I said, I, I know everyone who's on TV says they know someone. But I think I said, I think I know this person. And it he's could like, be. So when were you at Witter?
1: I was there from 1989 uh, to 1991. I worked for Todd Richter.
0: I'm I'm personal friends with Todd Richter. I know Todd... So we know each other. Of course. Uh, So Todd Richter, this is a true story. Uh, Todd Richter um, ended up saving one of my investor's family millions of dollars. And I'll walk you through it real quick. It's worth the little detour. And that is, so I represented a family that had a large investment in surgical care affiliates that got bought by HealthSouth. Yes. And... When I called Todd up on the phone, I said to Todd, um, uh, "Wow, this this brings back memories." I said, "Todd, we own a ton of this stock, and I think at the time it was like maybe 150 million worth of this stock spread out over the family, maybe even as much as 200 million, and the position was held at Goldman Sachs, but the family didn't want to sell it because, if you recall, capital gains rates were going to go from 28 to 20. So I recommended them want to get short against the box and just." you know, sell it now and then hold the short until later and then cover and then your tax rate will be different. And I know, you know, this stuff, Gene. So, um, and Todd, I talked to Todd on the phone and he said, total fraud, scam, health South's terrible. It's a complete scam. I'm like, it's $32 Todd. (laughs) He's like, tell your people it's a fraud. So I get him on the phone with them and they all decide to sell that stock went to five cents a share. Richard Scrushy was indicted. He was later found not guilty and indicted later on on another issue. But the stock went to HealthSouth went to five cents a share. It's the only stock I've seen go to five cents, recover and survive from that debacle that was that that health care wow. scare. I, I I've always liked Todd. I always thought he was a great analyst, great healthcare analyst for sure.
1: Great. I learned so much working for him. I I spent a couple of years there. I went off to to become. A personal finance journal, journalist, but he—he um, he, there are a couple of things that he taught me that really stuck with me. I, I remember having a conversation with him one night because I, you know, I was his assistant basically, and he said, "He said I'm going to see my financial advisor," and I said, "Why do you have a financial advisor? You're brilliant, you know, you know this stuff." And he said, "I I don't want to do this on my time off." You know, if, if I don't want to spend my time managing my money, then I have to pay somebody else to do it. I was like, okay, well, and, and that, that stuck with me pretty much till this day. I cite that a lot.
0: Well, one of the things I admire about you for sure is a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart a little bit. And that is, and I guess I just don't quite get what your take is on this, but I have, I have run into lots of situations Where, and I don't have any anecdotal evidence that this is true, but in my universe, I see women taken advantage of financially. I see them either inheriting money because a family member passed away like a husband, or they uh, somehow inherited it from their father or their family. And then, um, I saw recently this, uh, this older lady who says her nephews or grandkids, Worked at J.P. Morgan Chase or at Chase somehow, and took advantage of her, and she ended up going after the firm for it. And I wondered what was your reasoning for choosing sort of this, this what well, not a narrow path because it's not narrow, but this it looks like women centric uh, advisory uh, or advice based uh, business. What, what would you, how would you, how would you characterize it better than me to say what you're doing for women?
1: We do financial content for women. We we have a podcast called Her Money. We have a website called Her Money. We have coaching products and coaching programs under the Her Money umbrella. And we help women find financial advisors through a, a partnership that we have. I don't have as many of the kind of horrific stories that you have of people being taken advantage of. What I have and what made me go in this direction was a lifetime of doing speeches for big crowds, talking about personal finance and how to reach your goals and how to make sure you have enough for retirement and how to make sure that there's enough money for your kids to go to college. And when I was in front of a group that was women only, it was so different than being in front of a group that was men and women in that women felt free to ask questions and to tell their stories and to say what was on their mind and not so judged. And so what I set out to develop, because I I don't believe that there are some investments that are appropriate for women that are not appropriate for men. I think your investments should be determined by what your goals for that particular pot of money happens to be. But I do think that women need a place, a community where we feel free to get the advice we need, ask the questions we have, and lay our information out there without feeling judged so that's that's what sent me in that direction
0: it's interesting because you see like Ruth P- Porat uh, I don't know if I ever say her name right who came I think from Morgan Stanley and she then had became the CFO of uh, Google or, or what do they call it now alphabet um, and she's on a couple other boards really well thought of as a financial person as a female I've been in rooms and situations where, Almost like if the woman had a question, some people, maybe older generations, would kind of discount that question. Um, I could see how, if there was someone empowered like yourself to advise them and coach them and show them places they could do, they would feel maybe less intimidated by the fact that Wall Street has always sort of been, and, and I don't know if it still is, I, I haven't really been able to, I don't know if I'm an authority to judge it anymore, but it's always been a sort of an old boy network. I know when I go on boards and I'm around things that are happening. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of males involved. Still, it's still a very dominated mm-hmm. space. Um, so you feel like it gives a a woman a, a sense of of being able to relax a little bit and talk about what concerns them in a way without free of judgment,
1: free of judgment, and to get to the point where we can actually take action. Right? We can take action. We can invest money. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the stats on the amount of cash that women keep versus the amount of cash that men keep, we, we keep a higher percentage of our assets in cash. And that's a problem, particularly now when cash is paying nothing. Right. Um, you know, you want to have some powder, but having a, a huge portion of your assets sitting on the sidelines when the markets have been doing what the markets have been doing for the last 10, 15 years is... is you know I, you can't get those years back and so we need to get women invested
0: so you basically worked on Wall Street sort of developed your your thoughts and, and your motivations around helping people were there was there a time where things financially were a challenge for you in the sense that you felt like you were left out or needed something that you weren't getting or or was it was there some other motivation behind it
1: so I definitely look I was an English major in college. I didn't come I didn't come into this with any um any sort of training. I I made a lot of mistakes financially in my 20s, credit card debt, you know, a blown opportunity at retirement savings, the the, the classic ones that many many people have made. But coming into personal finance as a as a journalist gave me this unbelievable opportunity to call the smartest people on any subject and ask them questions and get answers, right? If I wanted to know about what kind of life insurance was the best kind of life insurance because I was writing a story, I just picked up the phone and I called people and I said I was working for a magazine that was funded by the Wall Street Journal and they talked to me and and the same was true on every other subject and i think my uh, my secret sauce if i have one is that i can take in an awful lot of information i can boil it into plain english and i can explain it to people in language that they can understand and so that's that's sort of what i do i don't think that that finance should be a foreign language. I think it should be something that we teach our kids because it's a really important life skill. But until that happens, we just need translators along the way.
0: I saw five. I saw a video with you about five, six years ago where someone asked you what the number one mistake people make with their money. And your answer was, I thought, really simple, uh, but actually profound. And it was, effectively, they didn't know what they spent their money on, right? They They didn't they didn't know what was coming in, and they didn't know what they were spending, et cetera. Wh- wh- where do you think it is today? Because now uh, I'm perplexed with the level of cash people have, what's happened with COVID, the decisions people are making today. Is Is the number one mistake people making the same as it was five, six years ago, or is there a new mistake?
1: I think the level of... Unconsciousness. I mean, people are still not conscious about where their money goes unless they make an attempt to be conscious. So, the Finance Fix Coaching Program that we run at Her Money is all about getting people in touch with their data and showing them where their money goes. Because once you know where your money goes, then you can actually control it. I I don't I don't understand how um, how budgeting experts try to get you to just budget from a standing start. There's no way to do that. You got to know where your money is going and then you can back into a budget that works for you because you've got some information about how your money applies to your life. COVID's been interesting because it's, um, it's helped one group of people You've you've if you've watched the savings rates in the in the country, they've just skyrocketed. I mean, every time we got some stimulus money, this the savings rates popped, but they're ha- they're twice as high as they were before we went into COVID because we're just not spending, right? We're not going out, we're not traveling, we're not buying work clothes, we're not commuting. And so we've got all that extra money. We don't exactly know what to do with it. It's sitting in cash. Some people have opened accounts on Robinhood and they're trading, but others are just sitting on it until they can figure out what they really want to do with it. Um, other people who haven't maintained their jobs, um, haven't been able to work remotely. They're they're really suffering at this point. They've right. been suffering. Um, so we've got this bifurcation, but I, I do Continually see a stream of people coming through the doors of Finance Fix, who once they spend eight weeks with us, all of a sudden say, "Oh, I get it I, now." I ha-. it it takes people from this feeling of chaos to control, and sometimes you need a coach by your side to help you do that, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can just say, "Okay, I'm going to use an app, or I'm going to write down everything I spend." I'm going to pay attention, and I'm going to change on my own. And it just depends on how motivated and and capable you feel you are.
0: So you've written several books. Uh, Women with Money is uh, the Judgment-Free Guide to Creating Joy, Less Stress, A Purple Life, and Yes, Rich, Life You Deserve is your latest bestseller. I was hoping you could tell us about it. That's a that's a, that's a long subtitle, but I assume uh, it is something you're proud of. Obviously, you wouldn't have released it. And uh, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. It is, um, I wrote it pre-pandemic because when you look at the um, number of women graduating college, when you look at the trends in inheritance and money transferring from generation to generation, women have more money now than we've ever had. But by the year 2030, we are going to have the majority of the wealth in America and the spending power. And wow. we need to know how to handle it. Wow. Um, yeah. The women in, in my community are, are asking, you know, teach us how to invest, teach us how to protect this money, teach us how to make sure that our parents don't have to worry and that our kids don't have to worry. Um, that's what this book is about. I, I started by asking hundreds of women, what do you want from your money? I took copious notes on the answers and, and, and everything from, you know, I wanna buy a house to I want to buy real estate that I can rent out to I wanna start a business to I wanna, I wanna create the world that I am proud of it is, is in there. It's a manual for how to take this money that's coming your way and put it to good use.
0: So Finance Fix, which is another site that you talked about earlier in the show, um, versus Her Money, in relationship to something like a betterment, which I'm not, this robot investing thing, I I mean, for me, the jury's out. It doesn't mean it's not great for everyone. It might be wonderful. But is anything that you're doing, like with Her Money or Finance Fix, more betterment-like where you can help them sort of allocate, where kind of one-stop shop? Or do you send that out somewhere else that you recommend?
1: So we send that out. Um, We've got a partnership with a a company called WealthRamp. And if you go to hermoney.com, finance fix. So so my philosophy is basically there are five things you have to do to get a grip on your financial life. You got to earn money. You have to spend less than you make. You have to invest the money that you're not spending so that it can work for you. You have to protect this financial world you're building and you got to figure out a way to give back. The The problem is if, if somebody can't get past step two, the spending less than they're making, they can never do any of the other stuff. And so Finance Fix is our coaching program designed to help people save enough money so that they can actually build a future. Once you've got enough money. Once you've got some assets and some wealth and you're wondering, what do you do with that? We have a matching program. It's kind of like a dating service for financial advisors. You fill out a a questionnaire on our website. You just click a button that says, find an advisor. And we will, based on the answers to your questions, serve up the names of three generally vetted, fiduciary financial advisors that you can reach out to. We're not going to have anybody call you because I don't believe in that. Mm. Um, but if you want to call them, then um, then you've got the names and you can make the connections. I, I've
0: seen some of the stuff on uh, um, on her money and the articles you have and talks about real estate versus financial uh, individual properties versus multifamily. And you see people like Grant Cardone really out mm-hmm. there promoting the heck out of syndication don't own your home and I'm not going to get into particulars of grant that wasn't the purpose of the question but what do you think of the idea of women investing in these syndicated properties owning them as part of their plan is this something that you you've seen done and you in you I don't I don't know what the word is because you're not a fiduciary but do you suggest to them things that they could look at in that space? Do you like real estate syndication? Maybe that's too many questions, but you get my point.
1: I get your point. I like it as a potential part of your portfolio. I think owning multifamily homes, if you want to be a landlord, is a fine way to go. You have to figure out what suits your needs and your personality. We we had a, a great episode of our podcast for money with a couple of women who have syndication opportunities. Um, And I think that that can be fine, but you have to vet the opportunities. You have to do your research. You have to know what the risks are going in and understand that if you're not willing to do your homework. And again, this is something I learned from, from the guys at Dean Witter, Um, during my days as a junior research analyst, you have to do your homework. You have to ask the questions. And if you're not going to do your homework and ask the questions, just buy the markets and and you'll be fine. Buy the S&P.
0: You mean buy the S&P, yeah. Yeah.
1: Buy the S&P, buy a total stock market index fund, buy a total bond market index fund. Make sure that you're rebalancing along the way. Keep your fees and expenses low. And just go the boring route. But if you're looking for other things, then then sure, I, I think real estate syndication is okay. In in for me, in small percentages, I think crypto is okay, as long as you understand what the risks are and you're willing to allocate that chunk of money as money that, you know, could be extremely volatile in the near future.
0: So I'm married with four kids. Um, it's my second marriage, but effectively my wife has been with me when my two first two little kids were little tiny kids. So effectively she's helped raise all four of them. Uh, one is 23, one is 21. And then the twins are 16 years old. And I'm going to cheat a little bit here with you because, uh, I probably won't get a chance to talk to you again and ask you directly, but I told my wife when I die, now I have a relatively decent estate. We'll see if the stocks stay where they are, but let's assume my wife is going to inherit some money. I've told my wife the following instructions. I've ingrained it into her for about 20 years. I've said to her, it's very hard to trust people. You'll be a wealthy woman. There's two guys you can trust that I know personally, Um, but what I prefer you do is do what Warren Buffett has done with Astrid, which is a percentage of it is in treasuries. Take the bulk of the money, and for 24 months, I want you to dollar cost average into the Vanguard or some equivalent S&P 500 fund. And then after a quarter, I want you to, on an annual basis, live off the income, which is going to be about 3 to 5% dividend income. Maybe it's 25 depending on where rates are at the time. And you can withdraw up to 8% a year Over time, and leave that money in the S and P five hundred until you pass on. I wondered. uh, uh, Sorry, I haven't paid you for it, but I wonder what you think (laughs) of that advice.
1: Well, first of all, I don't have personal clients, so you couldn't pay me for the advice. No, I know. I'm
0: I'm teasing you. No,
1: I think. Look, I think that sounds. I think that sounds like it makes a lot of sense. You could also do what I did with my mother, which was when my father died. My mother was always. My mother always managed the money in, in the family. My father did not. Um, he made the money, but he didn't want to manage it. My mother was a a math whiz and she liked picking bonds and and all of that kind of stuff. Good for your mom,
0: by the way. That's great. great.
1: And when my father passed away, my mother felt like she lost her sounding board because even though she made all the decisions, she would run them by him and just make sure Mm, he was okay with it. So we, we went out and we interviewed financial advisors. I went with her. We had three or four in-person, in-depth conversations. We found somebody that she felt like she could talk to, found somebody that that made sense to her. And, you know, P.S. at the end of the the line, she did so well with him. I moved everything to him um, of my stuff, <laughs> five, 10 years down the road. I mean, he's, he's just, he's been terrific because he he speaks in plain English. He's a very good communicator. If something's going on in the markets, you know you're going to get a phone call. His fees are not out of out of whack. And he has given her an extreme amount of confidence for good reason that she has no has nothing to worry about when it comes to outliving her assets. And I think, I think for most women, that's that's the fear.
0: Uh, I wanted to transition a little bit to, we're going to end, we're going to, the last question to me is going to be a, a really important question about the American dream and whether you think it's challenged or not, stuff like that. So we're going to leave that aside, but you know, you have, you're the CEO and founder of her money, a finance fix. I've seen you on shows. I've seen you on NBC, CNN. I've seen you on MS. I've seen you everywhere. I mean, I know I have, (laughs) uh, I've seen you with Oprah. I thought I think I saw you with Oprah. Yeah, yeah. And so, is is the movement you have in terms of what you're doing with her money, is it growing the way you want it to be, or are you are you thinking that there needs to be more people that are advocates for what you're trying to uh, uh, encourage people to do? I'm curious about how the sites are doing, if you're happy with them, and um, you know, I I know you're an ambassador for AARP, so I got to assume you are getting coverage. How are the sites doing, in your opinion?
1: The sites are doing well. I mean, we did well through COVID. Our traffic was up during the pandemic, which I think made a lot of sense. We were doing stories on on that people needed about where to find their their stimulus checks and and how to handle um, living financially in the midst of a pandemic. We are, quite honestly, in a growth phase. I mean, we're we are um, hiring staff. We're looking to uh, grow subscribers to our newsletters and to partner with, um, with financial institutions and employers in order to get more people into our finance fixed classes. So it's it's been a I mean it's been an interesting year for us but it's been an exciting year in terms of, of product development hmm. What do
0: you think of? And I don't know how you feel about asking a little bit of an economic question, but what do you think about this—the way this has went down, where the pandemic hit, sort of March of 2020, give or take a month, and then you had this sort of parabolic sell-off, and then a dramatic sort of change in the way behavior happened with meme stocks and the Game Stops of the world. I'm—I personally am troubled by the almost lemming mentality that we've all developed around not we all but some of us have developed around the vast majority of the conversations i have with people are about like what's happening with amc and gamestop yeah they defy logic but it's working and you since you worked for someone who i really admired many 30 years ago um really admired him um and it's always different this time. What do you make of does it change your advice at all? I mean, do you get questioned by people who say should I be in these things and do you how do you answer them?
1: I I do get questioned and my answer hasn't changed in years. So I went from working um at Dean Winter where where we probably were in the same elevator together. For sure. Um I went from working for Dean Witter to working for Forbes, and while I was at Forbes, the magazine had its 75th anniversary, and I was assigned to write a story on bubbles, right? This was 1991, maybe, 1991, and... I wrote this story with a timeline that covered all the bubbles that had already happened, from from tulips on on down. And I think there is a lot of hot air in a lot of the things that people are putting money into now, including housing.
0: Um, do you, Gene? I, I, do you still have that article? I do. Would it be possible for me to get a copy?
1: Uh, yeah, it's. I just because we just organized our books. I yeah. I uh, I think I could absolutely. I'm, I'm find really it for I'm you. really
0: I'm really fascinated by financial journalism, where the past sort of shows you the future, and you can watch a rerun. And these little snippets of people writing at the time—I bet it's a great article because obviously, did you write about like the Nifty Fifty or what did you write about? Yeah, I did. I wrote about the Nifty
1: Fifty. I wrote about. I wrote. Do I know where it is? I'm not sure. I'll I'll find it for you. I'll send it to you. Well, thank but yeah, you. Yeah, so no. I wrote about I wrote about all of those things. And and by the way, Jason Zweig, who I'm sure you read in the Wall Street Journal, sure. he's sort of been the rabbi to all of us was at was at Forbes at the time and he edited that story um and i just that has stayed with me my whole life when when we were going through the dot com bubble when we were going through 2007 you know the before the great recession you know it feel, you feel it when things are getting frothy and sure. And yet, historically, for most individuals, the thing to do is just set a course, stick with your course, figure out what makes sense for you to invest in, pick your mix in terms of asset allocation. And if you need the help of a professional so that you don't sell out at the wrong time, hire a professional. So that you know that you'll continue to do the right thing and just buy over time because we can't we can't pick these things people who people who say they know when the bubbles are going to burst who say they know when the markets are going to turn are just cashing in on the fact that they made a good call one time.
0: I have, I don't know where it came from. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was that guy who wrote Warren Buffett when I was 11 years old and wanted to work on wall street since I was 10. I saw Moneyline with Lou Dobbs when I was a kid uh. and Lou Dobbs comes on and CNN, I finally have cable. I live in HUD housing. My mom is a single mom. We get cable TV and on one of those channels is CNN and up pops Moneyline with Lou Dobbs. And I was fascinated from that point on. Um, but I've, I've heard the saying, and you might know where it came from, which was stocks will go higher than you ever thought possible and lower than you ever thought imaginable. And I've been through it, right? We were in the, in the 90s. I had clients of mine when I was running money as, as an advisor who were insistent on being in dot-com stocks, and I would buy something, not joking, on a Friday at $9. They would appear in Barron's over the weekend— and they'd be at $99 that Monday. I specifically know which I'm referring to is a stock called ePay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally thought to myself, people are making money as this happens, and it's hard to not have that rhinophobia to want to be part of it, et cetera. I've got to be part of this thing. But you're suggesting just make your own plan and and pay no attention to that noise that is... Out of uh, you know how you never kind of know when it's going to end, and it's it's I think it's hard for people to not get drawn into that, you know.
1: If you can, if you can, I mean, I, I do think that the good thing about the meme stocks, the good thing about what's happening with Robinhood, is that the best way to create new investors is for new investors to make some money, mm. and if we if if what we're if what's happening right now if people actually can take some profits, if what's happening right now is that people see that investing money is a way to build your future, then hopefully they'll learn something along the way, and it won't be all meme stocks forever. It'll be a more diversified portfolio, and we'll have the sort of growth to the investor class that we've been missing.
0: You a fan? Are you a fan of Robinhood?
1: I am a fan, I guess. I'm a fan of um, I don't like the way that the system shut down. I think that was a, a, a pretty dismal failure. But I'm pretty democratic about the fact that many people that people need different voices to get them interested in investing. I think investing is a a must. It's not not something with interest rates as low as they've been for as long as they've been. Investing your money in order to grow what you need for your own retirement in this environment is something that we all should be doing. And so I think, think that whatever voices, whatever apps, whatever tech solutions there are that actually get people interested and invested are, by and large, good things.
0: I'm interested in, in if someone just is learning about you for the first time. I don't know how that's going to be possible, but let's say that they just tuned into my program and, oh, who's this person? Where would you send them first, to her money or would you send them to Financial Fix? Both. What do you suggest someone, how does someone get in your ecosphere?
1: Go to her money and sign up for our newsletters and our podcast, and, and that—that's all it. That's it. Just how, subscribe.
0: How often do you do a podcast? Once a week. Nice for sure. Um, you know, this is—I uh, like to end this question with financial people uh, like yourself. Do you believe in the American dream? Is it still alive, specifically for women? Maybe the single moms out there, or do you see it as threatened? And uh, you know, I, and I asked that question because I like yourself, who wrote, wrote an article. I didn't write an article, but I'm sort of a student of history. And every generation always thinks that this is the end of the world, and that their problems are the greatest problems ever. And we don't put ourselves in a position to realize that in 1941 we were attacked, we went to war. We forget about the issues of the 50s and the killing of JFK and. Martin Luther King and the race war. We forget about all these things because we weren't there and they're out of our mind. And we think that today's problems are the only problems that matter. Never happened before. Um, so I try to get to people who are a student of history. I know you are a little bit cause you've written about it. Um, what do you think about the American dream?
1: I'm a believer. I don't discount the fact that this generation has a lot of challenges Um, the, they came out of school, many of them in the recession, they got hit by the pandemic. They've got massive student loan debt that I think we need a solution for. But I also think that we as individuals can't fix the economy. But if you want to fix your own personal economy, there are a lot of, um, There are a lot of ways that you can do that these days. There are a lot of different skills that you can acquire to boost your earning power. There are a number of different ways that you can look to just write your own financial ship, which is not to say, look, I'm a white woman who came out of college with no debt. I am incredibly privileged and I and I know that Um, and I I understand that there are many many people from um, many many people who did not have these advantages and I believe that society has a lot to make up for but I do think if you put your mind to it there's an awful lot that you can accomplish as well. Is that a is that an
0: okay answer? It's a wonderful answer. I have actually found myself believing that most people, like yourself, that are in a position to be financial experts or opine on the financial system, come out and say the American Dream is still there. Just there needs to be some altering and and uh, some perspective put on it. Um, I myself was a little bummed about how some people got helped in COVID and 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 the pandemic and other restaurant tours and owners. And some of those things went out of business where we didn't really quite channel the money in a more meaningful way. Um, it's a challenge for our political leaders to figure out whether people's tuition should be paid or what should be free or not free. It's over my pay grade. Um, but I, like you, I'm a white, uh, I'm a white American. Uh, I grew up in HUD housing. I didn't have any privilege when I was a kid. My mom was a single mom, no father. I didn't have a father till I was 13. So she married my dad who adopted me. Um, And I saw my mom struggle for a long, long time. There were systems in place to help them for sure. Um, We do have to figure out how to help the people that are, uh, are, are challenged there. In my case, I, uh, I wanted to like yourself, make sure my kids went to school and didn't have debt when they came out of it. So I, made sure that happened and I know that my daughter who graduated and my son have both said to me that they know that they were lucky and privileged to be able to get that. We just have to figure out a way to pass that along to people that maybe don't have it for themselves or the luxury of having parents that can pay for something. And I, of course, don't know how to do that. So that's why we obviously elect people to do it. Um, I appreciate the feedback. Uh, Gene, obviously people can go to hermoney.com. We're gonna obviously promote that everywhere. It's a wonderful site. Um thank you. Willie's a big fan. What's uh what's up what's up next? Is there any other books or circuits or speaking things that you'll be doing that we can support you on that we can tell people about you're doing? Obviously um we don't do a lot of podcasts. We follow everyone that we're involved with there. Generally, we keep a relationship with them. I'm gonna I'm gonna want that article from you for sure, by the way. Yeah, uh, no, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna send it to you. Uh, um, it.
0: Uh, but what's up next for you?
1: Um, we're really excited. Actually, we've got the first her money book coming out this spring. It's called how to money and it's for your daughter. Um, I will make sure she gets a, a copy when it comes in Oh, that'd be in wonderful. galleys. It's a, uh, it's for young women. And, uh, it is a, uh, we're really excited about that.
0: When did you say we could expect the book
1: books coming out in May?
0: Oh, next year. Okay. Got it. So Willie, we're going to get her back on next year. Can you can we yeah. can we beg you a little bit for a commitment to come back on when it comes out?
1: Hundred percent.
0: Do you ever make your way to Las Vegas?
1: I do. I get to Vegas. Well, you know, I haven't been anywhere in two years, but I um, I usually get to Vegas a couple times a year. I love it. I'll right. come visit in person. It'd be great
0: if you could do something live in house uh, or not. Listen, to be live but in person, especially when the book comes out next May, that'd be great. We appreciate it.
1: That'd be terrific.
0: Hey, appreciate your time. Really do. It was wonderful. Thank you for being on here.
1: Thank you so much.